Uh, hey, uh, welcome and happy Easter to all of you. So thankful that you chose to celebrate with us. It's just so fun to see you. And I imagine a lot of you woke up this morning and you thought, I bet we're going to see a bunny dancing to a Cool in the Gang song. I just, and I don't know about you, it's the third time I've watched that bunny and, uh, and I don't know if it's cute, really, or creepy. I'm not, I'm really not sure. There's something, uh, which what animatronics can do these days is, uh, is really pretty exciting. But uh, the question I have for you this morning is, when's the last time you wahooed? Now, is it... Seriously, is it Wahoo or Yahoo? It's Yahoo. It's Yahoo. Okay, I thought it was a Wah. Right there. Wahoo! Yahoo! Yeah, see, I never saw the music. So, it's, it's a Yahoo. When's the last time you Yahooed? I mean, when's the last time you celebrated? If you are a Coyotes fan, it was not this week. Uh, let's see, not Yahoo, but Woohoo, right? Okay. I don't know what they say at funerals. No, but like, yeah, 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 exactly. Here and gone in four. But let's just kind of set that. I'm not bitter about it. I'm fine, really. I've, I've prayed through that. But maybe there's some other times where you can remember in the not too uh, distant past where you've had some uh, big celebrations with regard to sports. Maybe in 09 when Kurt Warner took the Cardinals to the Super Bowl and we were this close to winning it. Do you remember celebrating as we were on that journey? Do you remember maybe some of you were here in 2001 when the Diamondbacks won the World Series Ooh. in the bottom of the Yahoo. ninth in the seventh game of, against those Yankees? Yahoo! Yahoo! And how many, of you, how many of you were there, like me, in 1987 when the Edmonton Oilers beat the Philadelphia Flyers in the seventh game of the Stanley Cup? Raise your hand high so I can... Yeah! Okay. Maybe that was just me, but, but, but I think you can understand this whole, this whole deal about sports. Sometimes sports will get us moving. It'll get us yelling, cheering, celebrating. It'll get us moving out of our seats on the edge of our seats. We've been made to celebrate. I think that's why sometimes we choose to drink alcohol at parties, and we want to say, I just want to set my troubles aside for a while. I want to reduce my inhibitions, I want to let my hair down, I want to go for it, whatever, and then sometimes we wake up in the morning with a little bit of regretting and a little bit of forgetting or whatever that might look like. Now here's Sunday morning, uh, Easter, I'm not here to talk about what's right or wrong or morality with that stuff, what you should or shouldn't do. What I'm trying to say is that we've been made to celebrate, that that desire to celebrate has been put in you by God. We've been made to yahoo. I think one of the reasons that we don't often or that we might need some stimulus or whatever to get us to do that is that we kind of want to stay in this safe place. We want to stay in this middle zone where we don't, well, don't want to get too excited. We might look at those people at, at, the, at the games who are standing up and dancing through the whole thing and thinking, wow, that's really cool, but there's no way I'm going to do that. Because we want to kind of stay in this safe place. Also, we don't want to be all heavy and yuck all the time. We want to kind of stay in this safe middle zone. We don't want to feel too much. We don't want to be moved too much. We want to stay right here, right here. Last week, if you were here, I talked about a Grand Canyon hike that I took with some guys from my D group. And I explained that on the way out, we ran into some weather troubles. And for two and a half hours on the way out, we, we, it was pouring rain. And then that turned into snow. And so it was, uh, we were freezing, uh, uh, freezing cold because what happened is, is the rain just soaked us to the bone, soaked us all the way through, and then it was snow. 
And so you ask yourself a few questions when you're in a scenario like that. You say, okay, um, whose idea was this? That's a reasonable question. And then you kind of ask, how does this fit into the recreation category? I chose to be here. This, this is fun. Exactly how is this fun? But another question you might ask in that scenario is, when's the last time? It's what I asked. When's the last time I was soaked to the bone? When was the last time I experienced that level of, of, of God's weather? I mean, here we live in Phoenix, it rains three days out of the year, and when it does, we freak out about it. And we've got we to go from our car with our windshield wipers that don't work so well because we only use them a few times out of the year, and then we've got to go from our car to some kind of building, and then we, we, we time it to see maybe the rain will let up, and then take a deep breath, open the door, and then we run like crazy, open the door, hurry, hurry, I'm coming, as if there's like molten lava coming from the sky. Heaven forbid we should actually get wet. What is this stuff? We just kind of, we just don't want to get wet or we're, we're in our air-conditioned homes and, and it's a little chilly. It's chilly, so we want to turn it from 74 degrees to 75 degrees. Oh, that's better. That's better. And then on that same day, we'll get in our car and we'll be in the sweltering heat and want to turn it from 75 degrees to 74 degrees. I'm trying to find, I wish there was a .5 in the middle there because I'm really trying to find the sweet spot because I want to be right in this perfect little mode right here. I want to be unmoved. And I think, I think sometimes that, that, that wanting to be squeezed into this place can, um, can kind of suffocate this desire to experience the fullness of life that God has for us. And sometimes celebration is, is part of this fullness of life that God has for us. And, and God's put it in us, and we can suffocate it. And I, I don't think there's, I think we're missing out when we, uh, when we do that. I think we want to feel some of these extremes at times. I think it's one of the reasons that many of us like movies. That movies, we get to them and they take us to a place into, in our mind. They take us to a place that we wouldn't have gone on our own. They move us. That's why they're called movies. Move, actually, it has nothing to do with the word, but it certainly, certainly helps my point this morning. They're called movies. Movies. I'm going to show a little clip here of a few different uh, 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 movie clips. See how many of them you can recognize. Check, check this but, out. But, but maybe that draw that brings you back to some of these moments where you saw some of those movies and you were moved. We like to be moved. This morning, Easter morning, we are celebrating the greatest moment in the history of humanity. The greatest moment in the history of the existence of, of humans. So let's allow that to move us a little bit. Let's feel that a little bit. Enter into that. Awesome. Hey, would you stand up? Would you stand up? We are going to worship. Let's celebrate. Let's be moved by the incredible reality of a risen Lord. Father, we do uh, celebrate this morning. We are so thankful for your story, for your world-changing story. So we want to enter into that. Uh, deeply this morning. And we want to worship you. We, we say uh, through our giving now that we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, once again, we have been made to celebrate. So I kind of talked about that before, but, but I just want to take the rest of, of our time here and just talk about what it is that we're celebrating. What is it that makes Easter such a big party, that makes Easter so different? What's the big deal about Easter? 
In our family, we have a, an Easter tradition, and it is uh, making resurrection rolls. My wife got this recipe a little ways back, and, and the deal is you start off with a marshmallow, which represents, of course, Jesus. And uh, what you do is you dip... You dip the marshmallow in butter and then in cinnamon and sugar, and that represents the oils and the spices that were used uh, uh, to uh, put on his body before he was wrapped up. Then you wrap the uh, gooey marshmallow with dough, uh, with a kind of a pastry dough, and that represents the linens that were wrapped around Jesus. And then you put that, you put them on a tray. So I guess you have multiple Jesuses in that moment. But, but kind of stay with me here. And you put it in the oven, which represents the tomb. And you don't leave it there for three days. It's too long, we realized. Uh, and so you just leave it in there for a few minutes. And then what happens with the heat and uh, what happens with the marshmallow is that when you come out, it still has the shape, but there's no marshmallow inside. He's gone. He has risen. It's really very exciting. And... Um, now, I know some of you are thinking, that's pretty dorky. You're kind of feeling sorry for our kids. Wow, pastor's kid, rough road. I get that. I get that. Uh, but they're really quite tasty. Uh, last year, we used this with our family, and uh, our youngest our, is our daughter, and she was four years old last year, and we were using the resurrection rolls to try to explain this to her and kind of bring her in on it. And, and so we kind of talked about it with her and said, so Jesus died on the cross, and then three days later, what happened, Lila? And you could tell she was thinking and she was looking at the, at the, at the roll, the cinnamon roll. And so she, her, her, her eyebrows were a little furrowed as she was trying to figure it out. And, and then I said, what happened to Jesus? Pointing at the roll. And then you could see, ding, the lights came on. And she said, oh, I know, Jesus melted. And so that's her story now. And I just thought that was such an awesome response. I thought about having bumper stickers made for all of you this morning. It says, Jesus melted. And, and that might be interesting for a while, but then you'd have a bunch of people following you going, what, what is that all about? And without the story, it doesn't mean anything. So we, we saved the money on that. But I loved her response because that's what we are here to celebrate on Sunday morning, on Easter Sunday morning, it is the fact that Jesus is alive, that Jesus rose from the dead. That's the big deal about Sunday. See, Easter Sunday morning is not the time where we're going to talk about the life and the character of Jesus. Now, obviously, uh, there's plenty of wonderful things to talk about there, and, um, and we're actually going to be doing that over the, past, over the next five weeks. I mean, the, the person of Jesus is something we can celebrate and learn a tremendous amount from. If you are agnostic or even atheist, you're likely going to say Jesus was an amazing person and an amazing teacher. So you could look at his teachings. You could look at his life. Again, for the next five weeks, we're going to look at his character. For those of you who've been uh, with us for the past little while, we're in something we call the whole shebang, and we're taking all of 2011 to look at God's overall story, the whole shebang, the whole story. And what we're doing is looking at different characters in the story and seeing how God can use those characters to influence and impact and mold and shape our character. Well, we just finished going through some Old Testament characters, and now we're at the point where we are at the, the, the switch from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And so this section is called the Messiah. And we're looking at the gospel stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what we're going to do over the next five weeks is look at 
five different characteristics of Jesus. We thought he could uh, be worthwhile to give more than one week for Jesus. And so that's what we're going to do. And uh, you, you are so welcome if you're just visiting with us. We'd love to have you come and join us on that journey and celebrate who Jesus is over the, over the next five weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about his passion. The week after that, on Mother's Day, we're going to talk about his compassion for, for other people. So we, we invite you to do that. But Easter morning, Sunday morning, this is not the time to talk about Jesus' life. So Easter morning is the finish of what's referred to as the Holy Week that started last Sunday with Palm Sunday. And it's a, it's a week-long story. And that story is, is pretty much wrapped around this image right here. It is the story of Jesus on the cross and all that happened there. This is an icon that is known one of the most known icons throughout the world is this cross. We wear it in our jewelry. We wear it on our clothes. That the symbol of Christianity, in many ways, is the cross. The message of Christianity can be summed up and has been summed up many times as Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. But that is not even what Easter Sunday is about. See, Easter Sunday, I've heard a number of you as I've engaged with you in the lobby, some of you refer to it as Resurrection Sunday. Happy Resurrection Sunday. See, that's the part that we are focusing on and celebrating this morning. Sometimes the resurrection part of it, it, it just kind of becomes an afterthought to the story. If you've seen Passion of the Christ, the resurrection part it's just not a big part of the story. Sometimes it's like the extra point after a touchdown or the medal ceremony after the competition's already done. It's not supposed to be an afterthought, though. It is the very core of what Easter is all about. If you brought your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the book of Acts. Acts is in the New Testament. It's the fifth book in the New Testament. What we find is we start off with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they are the story of Jesus. And then it's the book of Acts. And Acts is basically the story of what happens with those who were following Jesus, his disciples, how they continued to move the story along. And I want to uh, take a look here in Acts chapter 4, just real quickly at a few different verses in the book of Acts to show how they talked about the story of Jesus. What was the language that they used to talk about this overall story of Jesus. Chapter 4, verse 2, halfway through that verse, it says, The apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So the story had to do with the resurrection. Verse 33, still in chapter 4, With great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. Flip to chapter 17, and still in the book of Acts. Chapter 17, verse 18, talks about a guy named Paul. And Paul is a person through whom God wrote a large part of the New Testament. And here it says, uh, near the end of that verse, Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. See, for these guys, the resurrection was not an afterthought. It was the very core of the message of Jesus. You might be surprised to know when the cross 
started to become a part of Christian symbolism. You might be surprised to know when the earliest time that we are aware of when the cross became a part of Christian art and Christian architecture. That the earliest known uh, um, experience that we have of the cross being a part of that was a cross that was carved into a door of a church. Not the very front door of a church, a side back door barely seen where a cross was carved in in a little church in Rome. And that cross was carved in there in the year 430 A.D. 400 years of no symbolism of the cross. 400 years. Because they understood that, that, the, that the, the celebration on Easter is not just about the cross. It's about the resurrection. Now, I'm not trying to downplay the cross. Don't hear that for a second. We are going to leave this up here for, uh, for a while, and we're going to talk about this as we talk about the character of Christ. Absolutely. I'm not trying to uh, um, um, uh, uh, lower the significance of the cross. I'm trying to elevate the significance of the resurrection. That's what the Sunday morning celebration is all about. With every religion, there was a leader who died. With every religion, it started with some kind of leader, and then that leader died. And it, it requires those who follow that person to keep the thing going. And they would say, we got to keep this thing alive. Now that our leader is dead, we have to band together and keep this thing alive. Something very different happened with Christianity. Because when Christ died on the cross, his 12 main followers, his 12 disciples... They didn't think, we got to keep this thing alive. You know what they did between Friday and Sunday? They hid. They hid in the upper room and they locked the door, hoping that the Roman soldiers would not find them there. They hid. They kind of were planning on going back to their jobs, back to fishing, and they weren't sure how this was all going to work out. See, these 12 started a revolution. It's part of the whole shebang stories that is that, the second half of the New Testament is a revolution of love started by these 12 disciples. But that revolution wasn't the result of, uh, that didn't get launched because of Jesus' teaching, because of his character, because of his miracles, even because of the death on the cross. When all that happened, they were still hiding in the upper room. What put a fire in their bellies, what turned them from being afraid to saying, we cannot hide anymore. What gave them the courage and the strength to tell this story and risk their lives, actually giving up their lives, was when they saw a dead man walking. Was when they saw on Sunday, Easter, resurrection morning, they saw this Jesus whom they'd been serving, their rabbi, they saw him rise from the dead. That was the turning point for them. That's the big celebration. That's the big deal about Easter. The resurrection of Christ. Paul, um, the guy I was talking about earlier, he wrote a letter to the Corinthians. I want to read just a few verses from that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's up on the screens here. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your preaching is useless and so is your faith. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. This whole thing means nothing if Christ didn't rise from the dead on Sunday morning, on Easter morning. 
the whole thing means nothing. I mean, maybe you have been coming here for a while, and you have been moved by these incredible stories in the Old Testament, and your character has been impacted by that. Fantastic. Maybe through this community and, and classes and whatever way that you're in, D groups, etc., maybe you have learned some new ways to do relationships or to improve your marriage relationship. Wonderful. Maybe you have learned over the past few months or the past year a little bit more about how much God knows your name and knows your story and loves you. Wonderful. But all of that is meaningless. It's vapor unless Jesus rose from the dead. It's futile unless Jesus rose from the dead. So, what does that mean? What does that mean kind of in terms of practical daily life? How is that going to impact tomorrow, Monday morning, How the experience of tomorrow? If you were a follower of Christ, how does Jesus becoming alive on Sunday morning, how does that impact our lives in a practical way? I want to look at a couple more verses from Paul. He wrote another letter to the Ephesians. Chapter 2, he says this, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. That we get to be alive because Christ is alive. That God has made us alive in Christ because there are moments, there are days when we don't feel alive in Christ. There are moments, there are days where we feel perhaps dead inside. And the offer and the life-changing experience is that we can be alive in Christ. This week I got to participate, I got to attend in the uh, governor's prayer breakfast, and the speaker for that was a woman named Johnny Erickson Tata. And I'm sure some of you have heard of her. Uh, for 44 years, she has been a quadriplegic as a result of diving into a shallow pool when she was 17 years old. Broke her neck, uh, no use from the neck down. But she goes around and she talks about her love for God. She shared this story that just recently, she was la laying in her bed, as she does every morning, she can't do anything. She can't move anything but, but her head. And she heard downstairs uh, a woman, a friend, a helper who comes every day, and, and she could hear that she was making breakfast and about to bring breakfast up to her, and knew that this woman would soon come into the room and give a big smile and say, good morning, Johnny, and that this woman was going to once again brush her teeth and give her a sponge bath and put clothes on her because she can't do any of those things. And Johnny was sitting there in her bed, one more day, and just thought, I have nothing. I do not have a smile to give back to this woman. I know she loves me, and, uh, and I know she's here to help me. I got nothing for her, nothing. And as her friend was walking up, she just prayed to God, God, would you help me? Would you give me what I don't have on my own? And she believed that God in that moment gave her a smile that she didn't have and so that she could lovingly greet this other woman who was there. And then she made the point, Johnny made the point, that every Christian, every follower of Christ, should be able to wake up in the morning that way. That even if we wake up and we feel dead inside for whatever reason, whatever's going on, whatever tension and stress has to do with relationships or work or economics or whatever, that a follower of Christ can wake up and say, I am alive in Christ today. 
that a follower of Christ every day can wake up and say, even if I don't feel like it, I am alive in Christ. That's what we celebrate on Easter. That's what we celebrate this morning, is that Jesus is alive. The disciples went to the tomb, and an angel was there, and he said, he's not here. He's risen. In other words, Jesus melted. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Jesus melted. So we don't have to be concerned about the fact that he said he was God, and he sounded like a lunatic because he died on the cross. Jesus melted. He has victory over death. So you don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear the death of those you love because Jesus conquered death. Jesus melted. Yeah. And so we can wake up every morning and be alive in Christ because He is alive. And that's something to celebrate I hope your Easter is an amazing celebration of that amazing truth. Would you stand with me? We're going to close with one more song of celebration. I'd love to pray with you as we launch into that. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus. And the depth of all that means for humanity is just something we cannot even comprehend. But God, what we do know in a very small way, just kind of bringing it down, is that you know my name. You know the names of every person here in this room. You know every story. And you would have sent your son Jesus if it were just one of us, God. And so this morning we celebrate. We are thankful. We give you praise and worship this Resurrection Sunday because you are good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.